0: screamless The TV drama is imagined. The work and the guests are real. Making a soundtrack.
1: Track, track. Welcome to the Making a Soundtrack podcast.
0: Opening scene and action. Good morning Dan, how are you? Good morning Gareth. I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Yes, I think we're probably over our meetup on Saturday. Aren't yes, we? yes, lovely meetup on Saturday. Very nice. We had one of those
1: lovely burgers again. Yes, and then didn't, well, shouldn't have eaten anything else, really. But, uh, you know, train journeys home afterwards and stuff, you're always Ooh, sneaky. Yeah, sneaky, yeah. sneaky. Yeah.
0: It's true. It's true. Yes, so uh, we met up and had a drink and a chat and a catch-up and, you know, some plans for upcoming episodes. We did. Um, And then we're we're just sitting there in the pub and who turns up but three marvellous composers. Indeed, indeed they did. So we had uh, Adriano Aponte, who's a docudrama composer. Yeah. We had Chris Barnett, who's a documentary composer. Yeah. And we had feature film composer Frank Elfman. We did indeed. And so we had a right old natter, didn't we? We did. And it was really, really lovely of them to come along and join in. It was. It was. It was great to see them. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. So coming up today, we have a guest on who I think you know Dan, don't you? (sighs) A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Heard his name before. Should we just leave it there, yeah. hanging <laughs> in the air. There,
1: no, it is my youngest of brothers, uh, Sam Watts, also a composer,
0: just like I is. And you guys have worked together on things like Sarah Jane Adventures and Wizards vs. Aliens. So in terms of drama, it's really kind of in the kids' drama space, isn't it, that you two have experienced a lot of the production?
1: It is, yeah. But like all these things, you know, it's not treated any different just because it's kids' drama. It just falls into it being that's who, that's who it's aimed at.
0: Yes, so lovely interview, and that's coming up very shortly. But first, we have to... What do we have to do? Uh, I don't know. What do so something do. something about queuing something. Is it? Is, it? is there something? Yeah, something. <laughs> something, <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a of the music. There it is. Queue the music. Okay, so we're on to track four, aren't we? Yes, we are working on track four. This is a character theme If you look back at our social media, you'll see a scrawled plan. And track one was the introduction. Track two is a theme tune which we haven't come to yet. Track three is location. Track four is the first character theme. Yes, and we've made two main characters, haven't we? Yeah.
1: And we've made one of them slightly more positive than the other one. And this falls into the
0: more positive camp. That's it. Now, firstly, a disclaimer that everything that we play on the podcast at the moment is unmixed. So it's it's a kind of a rough mix that you'll hear. So the more finished and polished tracks we'll dedicate an episode to later on. Yeah, just as you would do if
1: you were working on something, you would work through all of the writing first. Yeah, uh, I tend to do little That's bits it. of mixing as I go along, but not, you know, the, the final mix. Certainly yeah. don't write a tune, then mix it, and then move on to the next one. Um, I tend to lump all the mixing together at the end.
0: Also, in the last episode, we discussed that we would write tracks four and five at the same time. Now, that was a great idea, but it came with one little problem in that we had no idea what each other was doing.
1: <laughs> and it
0: was always going to be a little bit like that. I know we
1: kind of thought about uh, relative major and minor and rough tempos and other such things but it didn't really work out like that did it?
0: Yeah we wanted these two tracks to be connected so uh, actually writing them without any knowledge of the other didn't really work. No. What transpired was that you wrote your theme I immediately when I listened to yours went right that's my starting point and so uh, we'll talk about track five next time. But needless to say, I rewrote track five. So we do have an extra idea, which we might utilise. We put it back into the ideas folder. Yeah. And so... Nothing's wasted. Nothing is wasted. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Well, okay. The thing is, I don't know about you, Gareth, but I
1: tend to find that, you know, anything like pitches or anything that's not actually been picked up and used on something... Puts in goes into a folder, into a place where I can look at it. And you never know, you might be able to
0: use it for something else. It might just be the melody or, yeah. you know. Track four then. We discussed making character one more positive, like you said. We went for E major. So, Dan, how did the idea come to you? If you remember, we were having,
1: as we've been doing these podcasts, we've been talking about doing the music at the same time. And on quite a few of these, I've said, oh, I haven't got anything for this track four yet. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it. And I think it was the whole positive thing because I tend to gravitate towards the darkier. Darkier? That's not a word. <laughs> darkier. The, yeah, nice. The darker, moodier. See, I've just smudged those two words together. <laughs> to darkier, which is just not a word. So the darker, moodier stuff is the stuff that I tend to gravitate towards. So I think that was kind of just throwing me a little bit trying to write something that could possibly be positive just seemed a bit odd to me. So I tried, and everything that I tried, I didn't like. I did my usual stuff of just sitting in front of the screen, throwing stuff at the computer until I thought something stuck. I mean, not literally throwing stuff, I mean Mm -hmm. ideas. And nothing was really working, so I thought I'd take a break. So I I went downstairs and put the kettle on. And downstairs we've got a piano uh, in one of the front rooms and i went in there and uh, just sat and started playing the piano and that's where the idea came
0: this seems to be a bit of a theme with you very
1: much so i think sometimes just getting out of the studio can really help yeah but it's a process you have to work through so you i have mm. to get it all wrong before i get it right so in the studio tends to be where i get it wrong then i get it right and then i come back and then i put the whole thing together once i got that piano idea and of course more importantly the cup of tea that i was making i came back much up, more important much more important yeah yorkshire gold only and then came up to the <laughs> came <laughs> came up to the studio and <laughs> came back up to the studio and i think within about 30
0: 35 minutes i'd got this rough of track for done brilliant okay shall we have a little listen to the opening of this track let's have a little listen So actually, Dan, you're you're utilising the same notes again.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: So there's this DNA that we talk about is really running through this album now. And actually, the positive moment happens in this track. After that initial idea, you added this lovely harmonic range of synths and reverbs and things that just gets you. <laughs> it's just, just really simple. It's just two synths and a,
1: and a and a bucket load of reverb, but
0: yeah, but all all in very major chords, yeah. And it just sounds really floaty, lovely. I really enjoyed that. I really like the fact that it started a, a little bit unsure, mm-hmm. not your playing, but the actual the feeling was a little unsure, and then this resolution was just really not majestic but cheesy really (laughs) cheesy it wasn't cheesy no i really liked it it was positive uh, which is really what we were going for so let's have a little listen at that change so you you're coming out of that initial bunch of phrases into this
1: that lovely I'm trying to think what it was from memory i think it's my juno 6 doing the pads and then i think it's actually a fake version of the juno that is from the computer uh, tal uno
0: i think the plugin is called which is doing the um, the melody bit ah okay i was wa- i was wondering about that and is that the cat synth on bass duties. On bass duties it is the uh Octave Plateau Electronics
1: cat which I've borrowed from a friend which is getting absolutely hammered at the moment. Yeah, it's got a lovely balanced tone to the bass sounds. It has it really it's got um it's just it's just lovely. I mean it's a really it's a really versatile synth that can it can be really nasty but it can also it's just I don't know there's something about the uh the sort of mid bottom end kind of range in it that's just really
0: nice yeah fantastic we talked about a few little notes didn't we we did we had a listen and a little chat and
1: i think i think you were going to mention something and then i mentioned the exact same thing
0: yeah yeah but these are i mean structurally great overall i think we were just very happy So it's just the fine-tuning, isn't it? So we've got a few little details to add.
1: Again, as we've mentioned before, I didn't want to go too far with it because this is a collaboration, so I wanted to get the main idea down Mm. and then get it over to you and then see where we took it from there.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit reluctant to actually just delve in for the sake of it, but I think I will kind of put a pin in it to coin a cheesy phrase until later and, and see, you know, in context... Does it need anything else? Yeah. Do we need to uh, add any motifs that might recur and things like that? Cool. And then you can add some extra thinkles. Yes. Well, we did think maybe a little more sparkly wow. Sparkly wow. On the second
1: section. A little sparkly wow. Yeah. Also, I think we mentioned the change between the piano and the synth bit. We want to kind of... Meld that a bit better,
0: so mm. um, maybe having the piano playing the synth melody. That's right. That's right. Great. Okay. Well, I think we are well on the way with track four. Indeed. That's nearly halfway. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I think it's time to go behind the scenes and talk to um, what's his name again?
1: Oh God, I don't know. I can never remember. Sam is a film and TV composer, mainly known for his work on the BAFTA-nominated The Sarah Jane Adventures, Wizards vs. Aliens, and Planet Earth Diaries. Sam also happens to be my youngest brother. Nepotism rules.
0: Sam Watts, welcome to the Making a Soundtrack podcast. Hello. So Sam, when did you first want to become a composer, and how did you get your first job? I started writing music um, when I was about...
2: 14, 15, I think, doing GCSEs, and my teacher was really lovely and very encouraging and all the rest of it, um, and at that point, I wanted to be on the West End doing, you know, jazz hands all the time, but I, I kind of realised that that was probably not going to happen, um, and when I did my A-levels, I did music, had a very uh, encouraging uh, teacher again, and so I sort of thought, this composing lark's quite quite good fun. I really enjoy this. So I went to university to study at Nottingham and had a couple of great tutors, uh, Nick Sackman and Mervyn Cook, who really helped with um, training me up and, and, and teaching me orchestration and composition properly. And at that point, I kind of thought, well, you know, John Williams, Danny Alfman, Hans Zimmer... Uh, Thomas Newman all listened to their music all the time loved it Bernard Herman maybe film and TV is the way to go and I was really really lucky and this is where this this question of when I wanted realized I wanted to do it and and getting my first job kind of combine Um, a composer called George Fenton who uh, did Blue Planet uh, films like Hitch, Gandhi, uh, Cry Freedom he came to guest lecture. He's a very good friend of one of my, my tutors and came to do a guest lecture and was fascinating. And uh, Mervyn was kind enough to sort of say to George, oh, I've got this student who's really keen. Would you spend 10 minutes afterwards having a chat with him? And so he did. I ended up doing my dissertation on the Blue Planet and then basically just annoyed George <laughs> for a, about a year poking him and saying, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job. And he got so bored that he said, if you get a first class degree, I will give you a job. Obviously thinking I wouldn't get a first class degree. (laughs) I got a first class degree. Um, I didn't phone my mum. I didn't phone my dad. I phoned George when I found out, hey, I got a first. His response was, oh, bugger. I guess I'll see you on the 1st of September. So I moved to London and worked with George um, and did three years there. And then just before Christmas one year, he called me into his office and said, I don't want you to come back in January, which was a bit terrifying. And I thought, oh, God, what have I done? I must have done something terrible. Um, and he just said, you're very comfortable. I'm very comfortable. And you're just going to stay mm. here and you're never going to do anything yourself. So, so don't come back in January. Um, and he was very nice, and he gave me a little bonus to make sure I didn't starve to death and all of that stuff. Um, little did I know, that he was just embarking on planet Earth. Um, and so I had no job in January and was panicking. And in in March, I think it was, of 2005, um, George phoned me up and said, I'm doing this little television show, and I can't... Can't really do all of the music. Can you, could you help me and and, and do this thing? And that little television show was Planet Earth. And uh, the rest is kind of history,
1: really. Why, Sam, do you think that the drama category is so compelling to composers? Uh, it's a good question. You know, we
2: all, whether we do or not, feel like maybe we have something to say. And I think that drama is sort of seen as the 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 pinnacle because it's it's always you know the big stuff flagship shows and all the rest of it uh so prestige ego but i think actually the job of a of a media composer is to support a good story so drama is the place that you can often do that i think documentary is is seen less so but i think is equal to drama actually is uh, for telling a a story and the ability to tell a story but that's what that's i think what composers want to be able to do is is help tell a story and drama i think is seen as as the place that you can do that also there's a lot of variety in drama so if you look at people like Martin Phipps, for instance, um, phenomenal composer who has done lots and lots of drama, but in interesting ways, his score for Wallander was well, one BAFTA, and rightly so, because it was fantastic. But Wuthering Heights he did, and in the middle of the, you know, period drama, in the middle of a thunderstorm he whacked an electric guitar in there because, you know, why not? Um and you've got a bit of freedom to do some interesting stuff i think and and that's maybe why
1: yeah yeah i would agree with that i think also a very valid point about documentaries i think they are they are somewhat undervalued but equally can can tell not only varied stories but important ones too and uh, to be part of something like that can be uh, i think very fulfilling yeah i've i've
2: done a number of I- of documentaries where well i think all documentary story is key but a number where story was key i did one about the ebola outbreak in west africa um and of course that's just that's an epidemic like that is the story is all about the people the people who are you know suffering dying and it's it's it sounds a horrible thing to say it's great drama there's a real story there that is very important to tell and that was a That was quite an honour to be part of that because it was a really important subject. And I think lots of documentaries do cover really
0: important subjects and tell really, really important stories. So, Talking about storytelling, Mm. what role do you think the music plays in that? It should
2: be, when it's good, underpinning the story that is being told. The job, as far as I see it really, is to support everything on screen. So... You have to try not to be intrusive. There are, there are exceptions to the rule. Jaws, for instance, where the music is the shark. Um, yeah. yeah. Through technical difficulties, mostly. But um, actually, it worked out really <laughs> well for them because that, that score is an entire character in that film. Psycho, I guess, is kind of similar. The score in that film is the psychological
0: aspect. So I, yeah, I think it's really key. It's really, really key. I think you're right. There, there are examples where the music represents a character so well on screen. There are elements where music does get in the way as well. Oh, definitely, And it's a really hard balancing act to get that right and we we talked about uh this with andrew gibb in a previous episode that sometimes editors will be afraid of silence in a scene and using that to dramatic effect and actually it's quite a brave choice to say don't put anything in yeah one of my examples actually that i
2: often talk about of of great use of no music is buffy the vampire slayer there's an episode called the body um spoiler alert uh, Joyce dies and <laughs> they don't score the episode and they use all of... What, not at all? Not at all. Wow. And all of the camera angles are off and all of the sound is mixed in a way where things like ambulance sirens are excessively loud and speech wow. is muffled and they it's from Buffy's, when it's from Buffy's point of view, everything is wrong and they use Zero music, and it is horrible. It It's tense and uncomfortable, and it's really clever. It's a very yeah. clever thing. It works perfectly for the episode.
1: You recently published a blog post about mental health and making mistakes. Mm. What was the reaction to that post? And has being so candid and honest on social media had any benefits?
2: The reaction was... Um, Unexpected, actually, I posted because I I kind of needed to talk about things. I guess and I think it's really really key that we all talk about mental health openly and honestly, and and take the stigma away from it because we all have it. It's not something that someone else has, and I don't. You know, it's not a thing that I don't have to worry about, but they do. We all have to think about the fact that. Everyone feels these things and to not talk about them is really bad. Um, And I was really surprised when I put the post out there at the number of creatives, especially, who got in touch with me both publicly and privately and said, oh, my God, I was there last year. I know exactly how you feel. This is this story is so close to home. Um, the number of people who empathized with it and and understood, I think we work in a very very high stress job. I think lots of people work in very very high stress jobs actually um i 'm not trying to say that we 're <laughs> some kind of exception um but one of the things I said in the post in this world, everything is social media based mm. and everyone shows the best of them. Everyone shows their photos of the one time they've managed to be lucky enough to record at Abbey Road or the one time they were in the Bahamas with, uh, you know... Peter Andre. With Peter Andre, yeah, doing the whole Mysterious Girl thing. All of it. Um, And it's very easy to forget that everybody is expressing the thing that they want everybody else to see, not the thing that they don't want. Mm. They're not taking a photo of themselves lying in bed surrounded by sweet rappers crying. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fantastic reaction benefits wise. I mean, I guess People have spoken about it a bit, which was my point. Mm. It's an interesting thing. My situation, my my mental health, and 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 the personal situation that I found myself in, uh, af- did affect my career. Stopped me from being able to do what I should be doing to keep my career going. So I, <clears throat> I am sort of starting anew in a way, which is kind of liberating, um, and kind of terrifying. But I think that I haven't seen any major benefits other than realising that I'm not alone. And I can't, mm. I can't think of a better benefit than that, actually.
0: Yeah. I think there's also this perception, actually, within the industry uh, from some people, not everyone, but that if you're not killing yourself by working so hard, then you're not successful. Yeah. It's really developing now that actually, if you look after yourself and you're kind to yourself... Then there's no reason why you can't be successful. Uh, you don't have to be showing that you're working 24 hours a day. No,
2: exactly. The first series of the Sarah Jane adventures, I did, I think it was five and a half months of seven days a week, 16, 17, 18 hour days to mm. get it as good as I could possibly get it. It was my first solo job. I was terrified. I wanted to make sure it was right. I was working for Russell T. Davies and, 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 and Julie Gardner, and it was a big thing. So I worked really, really hard and then spent about two and a half weeks in bed, literally in bed, unable to get out <laughs> because my body just collapsed after doing that. It's not healthy. And um, it's really interesting talking to other composers, especially. They are really surprised that I have got to the point now where I am in the studio at about half past eight in the morning and I stop at about half past four, five o'clock in the afternoon and I do that Monday to Friday. Mm. I don't work Saturday and Sunday mm. unless I have got an exceptional deadline on and then I will work Saturday or Sunday. I
0: will not work both and quite frankly people have to wait. That's exactly it Sam isn't it? It's, it's changing what is normal. So of course there are times when you have to pull the stops yeah. out and you know get on with it but it's creating what what is that normal thing? Is the normal thing busting your gut seven days a week, mm. or is it regular hours like everyone else yeah. and uh, having a life? And, and for me, regular
2: hours has actually boosted creativity. This is the really interesting yeah. thing. If I, if I am well-rested, if I have looked after myself, I can write better. I can yeah. write quicker and I can I'm write better. better. So
0: it's, I think it's really key. Mm. Speaking of working, you and Dan have worked together for years successfully, uh, even though you have slightly different approaches to creating music. Can you talk about what some of those differences are and about maybe some of your working processes together?
2: Well, the major differences are I'm classically trained. Dan is from, as he has spoken before, a band background. Um, I'm a heathen. mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that actually in itself is really fascinating because we have taught each other Mm lots yeah yeah yeah. which is as a as a collaborative process is fantastic i have taught dan a lot about orchestration and uh things like that dan actually taught me a lot about structure and and this actually listening (laughs) um you know (laughs) kind of key um and how a band works and actually the There's not a lot of difference between how a band works and how an orchestra works. And once you once you realize that you can work together really easily. Um, The process wise, um, it varies, doesn't it, Dan, on uh, job to job. But yeah, it, it is very job to job. As a blanket, it will be we work out who's going to do what thing. Most of the time I'll I'll have been to the spotting session, know what the team want, and I'll sit down and I'll work out and I'll go, well, that's really guitar-y. Dan can have that one, because m- mostly because he can write for guitars much better than I can. Or this looks like it's going to be really fun to write. Dan can have a go at that action sequence because he'll do something he'll do something different to what i would do and i think it needs that uh the other way that it often works is one of us will be working away at a queue and not be able to nail it Mm. phone the other one and go listen to this what's wrong and the other one will say It can be something as simple as, oh, you need to modulate there and it will lift it or you need to add this and that will work or sometimes it's a case of I cannot get this, you have a crack and the other person will – like one of the – I remember on Wizards there was something I could not get and it was really big. It was Russell's really, really big final episode that he was going to be involved in and there was this huge – it was called All Out War, which kind of gives you an idea. It was huge and we were going to be recording with an orchestra and it was really exciting and I knew we had to nail this, these, these few scenes and I couldn't get anything. And I said to Dan, have a look at them and see what you think. And he came up with a really cool little, just a four-note ostinato idea that blew the whole thing open and and we wrote three cues, I think it was, between the two of us across right, yeah. across about a ten, fifteen minute section of the show that used we used each other's music through it and it worked really well. It was something that neither of us would have written on our own, but working together we we wrote it, which was really cool. Yeah,
1: we did quite a bit of that on Wizards. I remember the episode where they steal the moon. Mm. the magic always comes, is renewed every day via the sunrise. So they hold the moon in place to stop the sun from rising so that they well, they put it in front of the sun, don't they? So yeah, that the so sun is all constantly blocked. There was this like five minute section, you know, all sorts of things going on at the end and it had to cut between spaceships and what was going on on the ground and, you know, wizards sorting out stuff and aliens everywhere. And Sam said, can you just have a look at this? He says, I put a few bits in place, but I just seemed to not be able to sort of tie them together. And by a few bits, it was like, you know, there was 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there, but it was all totally tempo mapped. So everything was sorted out. And he said, I've just got to move on because I'm behind and I've got to get on with the other stuff. So I said, right, okay, I'm, I've finished my stuff. I'll I'll have a look. And um, I just took all of the little snippets that he'd got and populated it through the whole thing and, then wrote the bits to make it all fit together and orchestrate the whole thing and sent it back to him. And he was like, yeah, brilliant. That's it. And if you go back to when we first started, so I really properly started on the second series of the Sarah Jane Adventures. When you go back to that, how we worked together then and how we then you know fast forward the 5 or 6 years towards the end of wizards there's this sort of melding we didn't plan it but it totally happened naturally where we could actually very easily start or finish a cue that was written by one another and it would not sort of sound like particularly one of us or you know it would it would be something different and we could easily take on each other's persona and finished stuff. Yeah, which is great. I,
2: I remembered that a couple of times when once we sort of revisited things by that point, um where we would go, Oh I love I, I love this one. Oh, I, oh this is a really, really good cue. Oh yeah, Dan wrote that, didn't he? Oh yeah. Yeah, And there's, there's, not, not in a, I'm surprised that Dan can write something so good. Well, well but most people are. Most people are. But in a, I cannot tell which of us wrote this one mm. um, because we'd created, we had created the sound of the show, I think. And that it's an absolute joy when you do some people, you know, I think people sort of say, oh, what's it like writing with your brother? And is there any, you know rivalry or any of that stuff there's no ego between the two of us which is great um and actually my favorite thing is having somebody who will honestly say that's crap you
1: can do better that's me and i am available if anybody (laughs) else needs me to say that stuff's crap as well
0: (laughs) bringing it back to the collaboration as well one of the major benefits of it is that you don't quite know, as you said, Sam, you don't quite know what's yeah. going to be there at the end of it. Um, yeah. And you, you can't predict because no. you know yourself and you know how you write with the, when you're writing with someone else. It's going to become this new thing, isn't it?
2: There's a, a, f- a fantastic composer called Warren Bennett, who I would say that because he's a really good friend of mine. But uh, we did it. We, we wrote um, a production music album together and it is one of my favorite things that i think i've ever written because we just do neither of us have ever written anything that sounds like it at all because it was us noodling in a room together which was a lot of fun um mm. but we would also work separately and then come into the studio together and work on things together and sometimes it was a case of like Warren had written a five-minute piece of music, and I'd come in and go, "Oh, it'd be quite nice if the triangle if a triangle was just like on that beat there," and um, and we had the, we had the really interesting conversation of, um, well, obviously we're co-writing this, but some of them it's really like ninety-five-five; it's not fifty-fifty. And Warren was just like, "Oh no, we just split it all fifty-fifty because if we hadn't have been working on it." I wouldn't have written this piece. And if we hadn't been working on it, you wouldn't have written this piece. And
1: it's really interesting. What advice would you give your younger self or someone wishing to become a composer?
2: My, well, actually to both. Um, Work really hard, but not too hard. Make sure you have time to enjoy yourself. Actually, enjoying yourself is really key. Don't get too stressed. If they give you an orchestra, enjoy it. Also, stop listening to soundtracks, which John Powell has famously said. Um, The worst thing you can do is try and sound like somebody else. Try and sound like yourself. Try and develop your own voice. The most successful composers are those who have their own voice. I'm thinking about people like Alex Baranovsky, who has done all of the BBC Two Most recently, Alex is probably one of the best composers of his generation, mostly because he does Alex, and his voice is really clear. Um, It's hard. I still don't know what my musical voice is, and I am old. And, you know, it's one of those (laughs) things that you should always be struggling towards. So work to find your own voice and ignore all of the directors who say, we'd like it to be like John Williams, please. The answer to that is, well, go and hire John Williams then.
1: We had a very nice thing on uh, Instagram stories. It was from Daisy Cool, who's Saxy Cool on Instagram, which is an awesome, awesome Instagram name. Uh, She shared on her stories, uh, Check out this episode of Making a Soundtrack. Noon with the Tune discusses the anxiety-inducing parts of our industry alongside tips and tricks. Being open and honest about those darker days is so important. Thank you for sharing. And it's true. It is exceptionally important to share the bad as well as the good because everybody has bad as much as everybody has good. And uh, I think there's too much, especially with social media, of hiding Mm. away these bad things. And actually, it's okay for bad stuff to happen and bad days and all the rest of it.
0: It's a good one, actually, to have on this show after what Sam was discussing just then. So thank you, Daisy. That's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Composer Richard Brakespear tweeted about Andrea Gibbs' episode this week. And he said, uh, such a great conversation. If you are a screenwriter, director, composer or any part of pre or post production, I highly recommend this podcast. So that's basically anyone Aww. who works in the industry. Yeah. So that yes. that's really nice, nice because that's really what we were hoping for that it would appeal to anyone working in the industry or, in fact, anyone who's just a fan of TV drama. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Richard. Ah, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. That's a wrap.
1: How do you find us? Makingasoundtrack.com will tell you all you need to know. Links to the podcast, social media links, and there's information about us too.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast, it would make our day if you could give us a positive rating or review. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit that share button and recommend it to someone. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Bye.
1: It's a trap. (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs)